Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm your host Ted Odorico and right alongside every week of course is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Good morning Cindy. Good morning Ted. How are you? I'm doing fantastic and Cindy was just bragging before we uh, went on air that it was a, a balmy 71 up in Buffalo uh, yesterday much like it is down here in Florida so she's enjoying some good weather here just uh, what a week and a half or so maybe two weeks before Christmas. Yeah we have not had any snow yet. Isn't that weird? No, that's, yeah, that's on. Let me tell you something. Being from originally from Canada and and pretty close to the border, that's very unusual for Buffalo. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a second. But let me just remind everybody. Of course, we are live uh, uh, Tuesday mornings on the broadcast. And you just go to blogtalkradio.com and up in the search key, you can type "women of golf" and that will take you to the main page. And of course, the the live show uh, is right at the top. And that goes from nine to ten a.m. Eastern uh, time for those of you on the East Coast. And that's 8 to 9 for you on Central Time. Uh, also available at uh, iTunes.com. Uh, you can get it as a podcast. So you just go to iTunes.com and up in the uh, search key under podcast, you just type in Women of Golf and that will also uh, get you to all of the, uh, the great shows that uh, we've uh, recorded so far. Um, but thank you for joining us live this morning. And anytime you want to call in during the show, during the live broadcast from 9 to 10 Eastern on Tuesdays, uh, you're welcome to do so. And you can reach uh, Sydney and I or any of our guests if you have questions. Uh, you can call in at 347-945-5855. And you can also email any questions or comments to womenofgolf at gmail.com. And if you're interested in coming on, if you're somebody in the golf profession, uh, whether it be a player or a teacher professional or maybe just somebody that's a uh, business entrepreneur that uh, you feel you have something that you would like to share of interest uh, with our audience, we're always uh, glad to uh, to have some new guests on. You can reach out to Cindy at Cindy Miller. Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. And also make sure you go to Cindy's website, which is CindyMillerGolf.com. That's what I was trying to say. Um, lots of great information there, and Cindy's a great uh, professional to work with. So you can reach out to her at her email at Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. And you can also contact me directly as well at uh, TED.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. And, of course, Golf Talk Live is my other program that I do Thursday nights from 6 to 8 Central. So make sure you tune in to that as well on blogtalkradio.com. We've got a great guest for you this morning. Uh, Cindy and I have uh, Leanne Finger, who's going to be on. She's the Director of Player Development for the EWGA, which is the Executive Women's Golf Association. And she's based out of Palm Beach Gardens in Florida, as we were just talking about. And she'll be joining us here in a little bit. But, um, Cindy, let's go back to the, to the weather here. How unusual is that for Buffalo not to have snow this time of year? Well, they broke a record yesterday, a 100-year record of a temperature. It was seven, it re, did reach 71 degrees. And we broke the record December 3rd for not having snow before then. So it, it's a little spooky, and it doesn't seem like Christmas is coming. Although it's, uh, there's a cold front coming through now, and it is supposed to get cold and possibly snow Friday and Saturday, which would be, we welcome it. Really, to be honest, yeah. we're so used to having it. It's kind of like, okay, yeah. I'm ready for winter. Where is it? Yeah, exactly. It's the calm before the storm. Well, the thing is, too, what a lot of people don't don't realize is that you need there, there's a purpose for the snow, the snow and the frost, and that uh, uh, helps the uh, helps the farmers in the new year, and that by by um, freezing out the, the the farmland and that, and without it, it actually creates problems for them. So. Uh, as much as it's difficult sometimes having to dig out, and Buffalo is, is, uh, gets a lot of heavy snow there uh, throughout the season, uh, it, it's something as difficult as it is sometimes, it's certainly welcomed, uh, especially this time of year. Nothing beats a, a nice white uh, snowy Christmas. So we'll, hope for, we'll pray that you get some snow, but uh, not all at once. Absolutely. But, uh, that would be yeah. Yeah, the mission. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
we're also talking about we'll, – we'll get uh, into more of it, of course, later in the new year. But uh, as, as Cindy and I were just talking about, we're both going to be going down to this uh, year, which actually is next year in 2016, going to the uh, the PGA Merchandising Show in Orlando, which uh, goes through – I think it's the 24th, 5th or something through to the 28th, something around those dates. So we're at the last week of, of January anyways. So we'll have some great uh, stuff to talk about when we come back. And Cindy and I, of course, are, are going to meet up uh, while we're at the show at some point and uh and strategize for the new year but um anyways uh, we'll, we'll get into some more good information about that uh, as uh, as the weeks and that come on and as uh, you may recall um the last time we were on air um, unfortunately let me just apologize last week we had to cancel out with kate uh, tempesta who was going to be our guest and unfortunately ran into uh, a major issue here last minute they were doing some updates uh, on the system, and unfortunately, uh, we had to cancel literally last minute. So our apologies to Kate Tempesta, but we've got her rescheduled, uh, I believe, um, in in uh, January sometime. I think the 19th, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. she'll be coming on, and, and we'll be doing that interview then. So again, our apologies to to Kate, but uh, and also to our listeners. Um, but this is going to be the last show for for 2015, and uh, we're going to be taking a, a short break, of course, to. Uh, to celebrate the the holidays and uh, and then we're going to be jumping right back into it uh, the first week of January with some great guests and then we're also in the new year we're going to be bringing back uh, really a great segment Cindy that that you did uh, very early on in our our, uh, our broadcast and that was on the mental side of things we've got a whole series that we're going to be bringing back and we're going to talk about that uh, in the weeks to uh, following uh, the new year um, we'll bring that back on as well I think it's a good series and getting everybody uh, in ship shape for the new year. Absolutely, that's for sure. So if, now, if anybody has any comments or questions, I would love to hear from you, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com, on what you'd like to learn or questions about playing or issues you have on the golf course. We would really like to have this collaborative, if you will, so we'd like to right. hear from you. Right. Yeah, reach out uh, to, to the ladies that tuning into the and, and even the, the gentlemen that might be uh, tuning into the broadcast. Now, even though this is primarily, uh, we're we're really targeting the the women's market here. Uh, I know for a fact that there are a lot of men that listen to the program as well. So, and, and thank you for for uh, tuning in. I think it's great that you're participating. Uh, but we would certainly love to have some participation from the audience. So by all means, reach out to Cindy at cindymillergolf.com if you have any questions or comments about the program or if there's certain areas of the game or certain uh, things within the industry that maybe you'd like to learn more about that we can help you with, reach out to her and we will do our very best to, uh, to get that information and, uh, and, and feel free to uh, contact the program. As I said, during the live broadcast, we would love to have some um, uh, interaction with our listeners and things like that. So uh, again, reach out to Cindy at cindymillergolf.com with any of your questions uh, that you may have. And also, as I said earlier, uh, feel free to call into the program during the live broadcast. And that number again is 347-945-5855. And one of the things, Cindy, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we, we get um, when we meet in, in January, um, I'm looking at putting together maybe a few contests throughout the year as well to get some uh, more interaction and, and having some uh, some great prizes and gifts available for for you ladies out there. So this is a, another reason to get involved uh, with the program. There are great some great opportunities to to get some gifts and and participate in, in uh, some great contests and that as well. So we'll talk about more about that as as the season starts. But uh, again, thank you for joining us uh, this morning. Now, Cindy, um, I know we got a few more minutes here before uh, Leanne comes on, but. Um, what I wanted to ask you is, I know you've got a lot of great things that you're gearing up for the new year. What are some of the things that you've got cooking uh, for the new year? Well, we've got a couple of boot camps we're going to run. Uh, one in February and one in April at Orange County National Golf Club in Orlando, which is where Demo Day is held during the PGA mm-hmm. Merchandise Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's four days of serious golf instruction. We call it boot camp for a reason. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> We start out with breakfast in the morning. We practice uh, right after that. We do instruction between 9 and noon. We have lunch, and then we play 18 holes every afternoon. Guided playing experiences, which really help people learn how to, you know, better maneuver themselves around the golf course. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. We're also starting a couple of programs, um, Own Your Game Academy. Mm -hmm. It's a monthly, four-month program that we're going to do at the – Whirly Golf Dome in Buffalo, to really help people understand why they don't play any better. It's not always yeah, a swing. 
typically the control tower. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you've talked, yeah, you've talked about that extensively here on the program over over the last year or so uh, about how you know even with yourself, there's been moments throughout your career where you know you've really had to to get the old noggin working just uh, in, on all cylinders in order to to play your best golf. So it isn't just about the golf. You know, this is the funny thing. This is sort of a misnomer that I think a lot of people don't understand. You can take to the golf course, and when I say subpar, I don't mean any pun to it, um, a, a golf game, in other words, your, your physical game may not necessarily be up to par, but if you're mentally sharp, you can make up for a myriad of mistakes that you might make with your swing. Um, whereas the other way around, you can have the best-looking swing and the best uh, ball-striking ability in, in the world, but if mentally you're not focused properly and, and really firing on all cylinders, um, that swing is not going to serve you as well. It might help you out in certain situations, but it's not going to serve you well in the long run, correct? Absolutely, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So you need to know what you're trying to do, you know, and why you're trying to do it, and how can you accomplish it. You have to have realistic goals and expectations, and if not, you know, you're just asking for a meltdown. Yeah. And, and meltdowns and, are no fun. Exactly. And tell us a little bit more about, um, you know, about your boot camps, because I know that, uh, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this before, but, um, you know, why they're so successful. And one of the things, and one of the key things I want you to, to emphasize on is the playing component of it. You know, a lot of people think when they go and, you know, whether they're taking lessons or they're getting in for a series of lessons, think that, well, I can just do everything on the range. But there's a reason why you want to get them out in the golf course. Talk a little bit about that. Well, you really, we need to see if you can plan a strategy to play your game to the best of your ability. I I see people, you know, trying to hit miraculous shots that they really don't have in their tool chest or their golf bag. And then they make doubles and triples and they just make silly mistakes because they don't have a plan. So, number one, let's make a plan. Number two, let's focus on the strategy and, and add up the score when we're done. And if you do that, typically you get what you're looking for, which makes life much better. Do you think a lot of um, you know average and I, and I say average uh, golfers out there? Obviously, we'll, we'll leave the pros out because they have a, a whole different analogy. But do you think a lot of the higher handicappers, particular, especially early on in, in their in their time, focus too much on the numbers? They get too caught up on you know trying to make par or trying to you know get those birdies or what have you, and not enough on their strategy. They do. I think they're so used to having people criticize. Well, what'd you shoot? What'd you make on that hole? And they don't realize the process that we need to go through to get better. And and we tend to pick on ourselves. So, oh, I just did a terrible. And you know, well, what did you do good? Did you do anything good? And and how can we get better at what we're working on and then be happy with the results? Um, I just think that they they allow the negative to win. Yeah, and it's just not not good. Yeah, and, and we're going to get more more in depth about that uh, that aspect of it when we when we uh, bring the uh, the series back that that uh, own your game next year that Cindy and I have been talking about when we bring that back because I think it's certainly worth revisiting many many times. But that's a, that's one of the core areas there is is too many people do focus on the negative aspects of their golf game and not enough on the positive. And it's not about you know just positive thinking. Say, well, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. It's not. It's a little bit more involved than that, but you know you, you certainly have to recognize when mistakes are made, but you have to also find ways of you know processing that and using it to your advantage and not just dwelling on on the negative all the time and ultimately that's why so many people get frustrated and I think truly end up dropping out of the game is because they just get frustrated because all they think about is all the bad things they do, and they don't really focus on on the the strengths of their game. Uh, which is really what's going to propel them into the next uh, level. And Cindy, you've, you've well, and again, I think people really need to stop and say, "What do I really want? Right. What do I want to work on? What do I want to improve? Is that possible? Can I hit it further? Well, yeah, maybe five or ten yards, thirty, probably not. You know, uh, right. can you score better? People come in for lessons. They say, "Well, I want to hit it farther." Well, why do you want to hit it farther? Because yep. I want to score better. I said, well, how many fairways do you have? Well, I don't know. I don't keep track. Well, maybe you should keep statistics on, you know, five rounds in a row. How many fairways did you hit? If you Did you miss it left? Did you miss it right? Can you not reach the green? 
you know, again, most people don't break 100. So if we could get you where you're 95, maybe you'd yep. be happy. Yeah. Yeah, you have to – exactly. You have to have a goal in mind, and you, you have to be – number one, you have to be realistic in your goals. Um, but you also have to, um, you know, set some – you know, maybe have a, a long-term goal. Okay, I want to – for argument's sake, you know, I want to break 80, maybe your longer goal. And, and let's say you're, you're struggling right now to, to get through uh, 100. Um, but then you need to set some little goals along the way. And the reason why you do that is um, – and, and I think this works in any aspect of life, not just in golf – if you focus solely on the big goal, it becomes very daunting and very – it's like somebody that's maybe overweight that's trying to lose a lot of weight. They're focusing on that big number as opposed to, you know, if I lose a pound this week or two pounds this week and celebrate that and then the same thing, you know, until ultimately you'll eventually reach that goal. They focus on, on the end game, if you will, as opposed to the steps that they need to take up. And uh, we're going to talk about – yeah, we're going to talk about more of that. And the other thing, one last thing I'm going to do, because I see Leanne's ready here to, to go, and we're going to bring her on, is, you know, a lot of people, especially the men, and I'm sure some of the ladies out there do it as well, um, you know, you certainly have to have uh, some good equipment. You don't necessarily have to have the best on the market, but you do have to have some good equipment. But more importantly, it has to be fitted properly. A lot of people buy stuff off the shelf and just figure, okay, I'm good to go. And you can, if you're a better player, you can get away with that a little bit. But somebody that, that maybe is just starting out, you need to be properly fitted, and uh, we'll talk about that more as well in the new year about how to be uh, properly fitted and what the process is and and why it's important to do that. Um, but we'll talk about that. But a lot of people focus on um, you know their driver having this you know big beautiful driver that they spend a, f- a small fortune on and really don't focus on the areas of the game that really are your scoring, which is your short game and of course uh, particularly your putting. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, but we're going to bring on our special guest here. Let me just do an introduction. And Cindy, I'm going to let you. Uh, uh, take over from there to, to start things off. Uh, as I mentioned our, our, our earlier, our very special guest this morning is Leanne Finger, and she's the Director of Player Development for the EWGA, which is the Executive Women's Golf Association, and she's based out of uh, Palm Beach Gardens uh, down in South Florida. Uh, she is uh, also manages the current golf education offerings to more than uh, 14,000 EWGA members in uh, over 120 chapters nationwide and communicates game improvement offerings to the EWGA members. Uh, key initiatives Leanne manages includes the EWGA Grads to Golf program, which we'll talk about this morning, uh, the Golf Course Network, and the EWGA uh, Par 3 Challenge. In addition to, uh, she also writes a weekly blog in the members' e-newsletter, uh, Connections, and with more than 20 years of experience in the golf industry, she has extensive background in golf administration, golf operations, as well as serving as a liaison with the Allied Golf Associations uh, for many years. So without further ado, let's uh, bring out Leanne Finger. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you for that nice introduction. <laughs> Good morning, Leanne. Uh, glad to have you join us this morning. Cindy, you go ahead and... Uh, Start off. Well, Ted, we we neglected to tell you that she abs- she actually lives in Phoenix, so she got up really early to hang out with oh. us. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. you. Know, the the, uh, the time change has been uh, pretty fun. You know, I did have a, a conference call earlier this summer where uh, the person on the East Coast said, "Would it be okay if we called at seven thirty? And I thought we meant seven thirty my time, and she called me at seven thirty East Coast time, so. It was a pleasant awakening at 4.30 in the morning to have a conference call. Well, oh, Le- Leanne, we thank, yeah, we thank you for getting up uh, a little earlier this morning and, and joining us uh, on the Women of Golf show. We appreciate that very much. Uh, Cindy, go ahead. So tell us, Leanne, I, with all the experience you have and everywhere that you've worked because you're an amazing uh, person, why should students, why should people learn to play golf? Well, you know, Cindy, that's a, a great question, and, and I'm sure like you and many of our other, uh, you know, colleagues, LPGA and PGA professionals, um, you know, we get into the game because we love it and we have a passion, and, and those of us who are fortunate enough to be PGA and LPGA professionals, um, you know, pass that passion on to people by helping them learn the game and play the game, and, and certainly, you know, your students who excel and, and uh, really stick with it and make it either a collegiate career or a lifetime career. So um, what I like about golf is is the fact that it just gives you an opportunity to get out and socialize with your friends. Uh, love the fact that it's a door opener. Uh, we have instances and stories of people who have uh, been in strange situations, whether it's a, 
uh, you know, an office um, outing or something like that. But it it gives people the opportunity to have that commonality and and talk about golf. And and the neat thing is that regardless of ability, people of all abilities and all ages can play the game together. And certainly what I like is, you know, it's a sport, a game of a lifetime. Why why is business golf so important? I think I know why, but I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Well, you know, we know that, um, you know, that golf is a great uh, opportunity that affords people, you know, four, hopefully not more than five hours of uninterrupted time together where you get to know people. And, and if you're doing business with people, it's a nice opportunity to, kind of peek into their character um, and see what they're like. You know, if they are calm and a lot of fun and have a great conversation with you during that four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour time frame on the golf course, that's going to give you some great insight to whether or not you want to do business with that person versus uh, a person that, you know, hits a poor shot and they might throw their clubs or they might swear or... You know, we've heard stories, too, of folks on the golf course for business situations, and, you know, their favorite thing is the beverage cart stop. So, you know, the the opportunity to be out on the golf course in a great surrounding and enjoying, you know, nature and the people that you're playing with, you know, just gives you a a great opportunity to establish that relationship. And then, you know, certainly you follow that up with, uh, you know, whether it's a meal uh, or a beverage after golf and a a follow-up meeting, so it just, um, you know, provides a a great chance to get to know the people that you're doing business with, and and as we've all heard, there are very few sports that give you that opportunity and that interaction. I mean, you're probably not going to do business with somebody that you're playing tennis with across the net, or, uh, you know, certainly professional sports in the past have been used um, as a mm. groundwork for people to do business, whether you go to a sports game or something like that, but but you know golf really affords you that ability to have that one-on-one time and really get to know the people that you'd like to do business with. Um, Leanne, this is this is Ted. Let me ask you just sort of a follow-up from that. Um, and obviously, um, I'm sure you can build a case, and you've just eloquently done it for, uh, for really women to, to play in golf. Um, but but one of the things too that I that I've always found is there's really no other sport that you can uh, really have a, a, a prospect's attention for four hours on a golf course. Um, as you mentioned, across uh, the court and tennis, you know, you're, you're hitting back and forth. It's a very quick pace. And, you know, you might get together for uh, a bite to eat after. Um, but, again, usually your time's a little bit more limited there. But on the golf course, you've basically got that person's attention for four hours. And it, and it does provide an opportunity. Um, why is it important? And more and more women are starting to recognize that. Why is it important particularly for women to, to uh, use golf as, as a business tool? Well, you know, Ted, that's a, a nice question and, and uh, something that we're very fond of at the EWGA and, and really trying to educate our 14,000 EWGA members that, you know, take that opportunity, say yes to that invitation. Um, I think there's a stereotype of, you know, the guys in the office are the ones that go play golf, and we like to tell the story of uh, you know, if you could, you know, imagine the scenario where the guy comes to the office in a golf shirt because it's the day he gets to leave at noon and go play golf and and kind of talks about, uh, you know, today's the day we're going to meet so-and-so and, you know, work on this business contract, and, and they're all keyed up on the golf. And the women, unfortunately, in the past have been kind of left behind. Um, yes. You know, to, to kind of stay behind and run the office while the men go out and do business on the golf course. And so we've tried to educate our members and, and say, first of all, let your employer know that you play golf. And you don't have to be a great golfer. You just have to know the basic rules and some basic mm-hmm. etiquette and the ability to, to keep the pace of play and, and move along. And, you know, we heard of a situation where a gal would leave work to play in a Wednesday, uh, yeah, Wednesday evening golf league, and she would leave at 3.30, and every week she had a different excuse, like, I have to go pick up my kids at daycare. Oh, now today I have a dentist appointment. Now today I have to go see my eye doctor. Because women are afraid that if they leave early and say that they're going to play golf, that that's going to somehow impact their, um, you know, evaluation at work because they're traditionally not been in that role where they're, it's okay for them to leave to play golf. So, you know, we've been just really trying to, like I said, educate our members and, 
And the important thing is that they have that skill in the business world because it will help them um, enhance and possibly even advance their careers. Right. And, and you know, the other thing, too, is, um, and particularly for for um, women who are entrepreneurs, not so much necessarily an employee of, of a, a company, but that are entrepreneurs, a lot of them don't appreciate um, the importance. They get too wrapped up in, in the day-to-day business uh, dealings, and they really don't take time, or they use that, you know, excuse, well, I can't do this, I just don't, you know, I, I don't have time. They need to really, and, and I think you would agree, they need to find a way to do things a little bit differently to afford some, even if it's only once a week, uh, whether it be in a, in a women's uh, network, uh, you know, golf outing or something to that degree, just to get them exposed to it because it is a very valuable business tool. And I think that, uh, as you said, a lot of women tend to make excuses for not doing it, whether it's, you know, they're afraid to, to you know, sort of create an issue at work or if they're running their own business, they don't want to allot time because they feel it's a waste. They don't under- appreciate the value of that. Is that pretty much accurate, you think? De- definitely, yeah. They, they, um, you know, they don't see themselves in that role um, as being the person to probably initiate that that uh, business contact or that that um, outing on the golf course. But certainly, the importance of learning to take time to, you know, have golf as a skill set that you can use um, is certainly going to enhance your career and and for an entrepreneur type of a, a female, that, that's certainly something that they need to think about and focus on. Very good. Don't you think, um, it's, I think it's the biggest, the biggest benefit is the relationships. If you, because mm-hmm. golf is such a participation sport that people play, and, the, and one of the issues is the fear of I don't want to look silly, um, but if you if you grow the courage, if you will, to learn to play, then you're going to be included to go build relationships, which is in turn is going to help build your business. Exactly, and and you know we know that if you have a a female that has any type of ability to advance the ball off the tee, that they quickly realize when there's a corporate scramble or a company outing that. You know the women are in hot commodity because they get to play from the forward tees, and right. most people appreciate that. Um, you know they see that as sort of a, you know, an advantage. So um, you know we encourage people to not, you know, if you, if you do play golf, like I said, you don't have to be a, a single digit handicapper. You just have to, you know, know the etiquette. And and Cindy will attest to this that most women love mm. getting into the game of golf because of fashion. So yeah, yeah, they oh, get yeah. that outfit, they hit. Properly fitted clubs and Shopping, right? you know hit hit the ball <laughs> in the air and feel some mild success and and away they go. You know I can I can attest to that as well. Being being on on the opposite side uh, as a male, um, the the men's fashion in golf doesn't even compare uh, to the women's fashion. There's just so many mother, uh, more options and things like that uh, for the for the ladies out there. So yeah, that's a great win. The other thing, too, I think, um, Leanne, for, uh, for women, in, in addition to what both you and Cindy have said, the sort of apprehension to, to sort of step out of the box, and, and I think they're, they're nervous um, about, as uh, Cindy had pointed out, you know, looking uh, foolish out in the golf course. But the women have a lot of great opportunities as well. There's some great teach professionals like um, um, Cindy and, and others out there, uh, women who, who understand that plight, if you will, and are out there to help them, and I and I strongly recommend, it, especially any of our listeners out there, they're sort of sitting on the fence. You know, get in touch with um, you know your local uh, professional, your LPJ professional, and uh, and and get set up um, to to learn the game and understand not just how to play the game uh, from a physical standpoint, but just understanding some of the rules and 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 things behind it, and make it a much more play. Don't just try to go out or have your husband or boyfriend teach you. Um, you know, get out there and. and connect with somebody and get involved in an organization such as yourself, the uh, EWGA, um, which leads me into my next question. You have a grads to golf uh, program at EWGA. Talk a little bit about that. Well, thanks, Ted. Um, The EWGA grads to golf program was founded last year, and it was um, a former EWGA board member who had this passion and this dream that wouldn't it be great if all – 
MBA graduate students learned how to play the game of golf before they got into the business world. Mm-hmm. And so while that seemed like a pretty big uh, task to undertake, we did pilot the program at University of Tennessee, which was her alma mater. And basically the EWGA Grads to Golf uh, program is a six-week program that combines classroom instruction with hands-on golf. So the way it would work is the students would have about a 30-minute classroom presentation where it's a local businesswoman, a local EWGA chapter member. It could be a senior administrator at that college or university. And they really share with these students why golf is important to them, um, you know, things, how golf has helped them, why they decided to play golf. And then they go and have uh, 60 to 90 minutes of hands-on instruction. And so the, the program includes a clubhouse orientation, which is designed to help, uh, as Cindy talked about, you know, the students um, kind of knock down that fear factor and help them feel comfortable and know really what to do and how to act when they get to a golf facility. Um, we can all recall instances, I know when I was an assistant golf pro, you could spot the new golfer because they're the ones that came into the golf shop with the clubs on their shoulder. So, um, you know, we just kind of teach them kind of the do's and the don'ts of uh, the golf course and the checking in and, and getting themselves to the first tee. And then that program culminates with a graduation scramble, and that's where two local EWGA chapter members are paired with, you know, two students in a foursome, and they go out and they play nine holes, and it's a scramble, so they get a, a taste of what a corporate event could be like. And, and the EWGA members, as I said, mentor them, help them with, you know, rural situations and where to put their bag and really how to navigate on the golf course. But then it turns into a nice mentoring opportunity for business and and relationships off the golf course as well. So um, we're in the process of, you know, really uh, recruiting colleges and universities to participate. And we've had a a number of uh, great conversations with not only uh, college golf coaches, but some LPGA golf professionals who are interested in hosting the program in their area. So we've we've launched it nationwide and, and have a goal to get, you know, about 15 or 20 schools on board. And, um, you know, we're about halfway there right now. And it's really an exciting program to work on. I, I had an opportunity to write the curriculum for the program as well as, um, you know, reach out to my coaching colleague friends and my LPGA professional friends. So it's just been a, a lot of fun to share the program, and, and there's certainly a need for that because we sort of feel that that um, millennial space um, is kind of untapped right now. So um, right. very exciting times for us. Well, and, and you know, the interesting thing, a lot of the stats will tell you, um, I don't unfortunately have them all in front of me here, but, you know, they talk about uh, – there, on some aspects, you know, the decline in, in, in golf, and that's because there, there has been sort of a gap there. Um, but of the new golfers coming in, I think it's, uh, I forget now the percentage is 46-plus percent uh, of all new golfers are women. So that's nearly 50%, uh, and that's something that you haven't seen for a long, long time uh, in the golf industry. So that that's certainly very exciting, I'm sure, for uh, organizations like the EWGA. But one thing I want to ask you um, – you know, being part of a, a big organization like this, because I'm sure you've seen it personally, but I'm sure many of your members have, there's still a little bit of discomfort with for a lot of women going into some of the golf courses, you know, they go into the pro shop. Um, it always isn't a great experience for them because it can be very intimidating. Um, what can the industry do? What changes can you foresee happening maybe in, in the years to come to make it more of a friendly environment? What's some things that golf courses that, you know, uh, that might be listening out there uh, changes that they could make to, to the way they're running things, um, maybe staffing, uh, a reshuffling of staffing, to make it a more I- inviting experience for women particularly? You know, that, that's a, a nice thought, Ted. And, and the EWGA happens to be uh, one of three founding partners in an organization called the National Women's Golf Alliance. And that mm-hmm. also includes Golf for Cause at Debbie Wakis, uh in the Phoenix area and golf course architect Jan Beljan in Jupiter, Florida. And so our three associations work together to form this National Women's Golf Alliance. And what we do is we visit golf facilities, um, certainly not like a secret shopper. You know, a golf facility would would say, hey, we'd like to know um, what we can do to be more welcoming for women. And so what we do is we 
um, we go and play the facility, and it gives us an opportunity to evaluate that facility in five key areas, and it's like mm-hmm. course playability, customer service, golf course amenities, facility amenities, and then their golf programs. And as I mentioned, it's not designed to be like a secret shopper, aha, we right. got your guy on outside services didn't pick up my bag from the bag drop, you know. Right. It's not that at all. It, it, it's an awareness, it's a recognition of what the facility does well, and then offer suggestions. We have a, a written evaluation report that we provide for the facility of areas that they could improve upon. And it could be simple things like, you know, when we look at their menu, are they offering mm. uh, vegetarian options? Or Now, with the importance of many people being gluten-free, do they have, mm. you know, great options like that on the beverage cart? Do you have healthy snacks? Are you offering, uh, you know, the coconut waters and the almonds and, you know, when I grew up playing, it was a soda and a snicker bar. You know, that was my idea of the beverage cart. So, you know, it's things like that. It's golf course playability, helping them um, recognize do they have multiple sets that are maintained uh, as the same standards and rated for women. And and certainly customer service becomes a an important thing, too. So to your question about, um, you know, people feeling intimidated, it's really an overall you know, culture, if you will, to be welcoming and, right. you know, friendly to everyone, but certainly to make women feel comfortable as well. Uh, things like amenities in the golf shop. You know, we'll walk into a golf shop and certainly you see apparel, but do they think to have golf gloves for women both right-handed and left-handed? So, right. you know, it's, it's, um, it's just really helping them uh, open their eyes to here's what you do really well and here's some suggestions of how you could encourage more women and make more women feel friendly at your facility. Yeah, and 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 you know, I hate to use the word intimidated, but I I know from feedback that I've had from uh, a lot of women in in golf, not necessarily at the, just at the professional level, but even um, you know, women executives that play and and obviously there has been some some road work and that has been paved along the way through great efforts uh like your organization and others out there that are that are paving the way, but um you know, there's still a lot of work to do. And, and I think, in, in my opinion anyways, I think that the, the um, I'll give you a good example. We uh, I had a guest on, um, on not too long ago who is involved with a lot of different golf expos uh, around the country, particularly up in the Northeast. And she had mentioned and made a comment that one of the things that she found, she belongs to a very large uh, women's group up in her area, and they attended a couple of the different, uh, some of the members attended uh, some of the different trade shows and things, and there really wasn't anything there for them, um, and they felt it was sort of a, a wasted effort. And so they're, they've taken the initiative now, much like what you are, is it's not you know an, an opportunity to pounce on anybody or criticize or critique, but a way of offering them to open, because there is a huge potential market for the golf industry in, in the women's market, and it's really being missed by so many people. Um, so what are the things can, can you do and what are the things can even maybe Cindy and I do with the program that could really open, help to open the doors? What do you think? Uh, any suggestions? Well, you know, certainly, um, and Cindy knows this, when we have been at, um, you know, golf industry gatherings and conferences around the country, um, you know, it's important, I think, for people to, to realize and recognize that most women don't wake up one morning and decide, you know, today's the day I'm going to learn how to play golf. And they get out of bed and they phone, they phone the local professional and say, you know, hey, Jim, I'd like to take a series of six lessons with you. You know, that likely doesn't happen. We right. know that women want to be, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll go to a group and I'll say, how many of you play golf? And, you know, 20 hands go up. And how many of you don't play golf? And, you know, 35 hands sheepishly go up. And I say, how come you don't play? Well, we've never been asked. So we know, right. first of all, that, that women want to be invited. They want to be included, like we talked about with business golf earlier. The right. second thing is that, you know, you have to have a recognition and awareness that women play golf for reasons different than men do. And for women, it's all about social. And, yep. you know, the successful women's programs around the country that professionals are hosting, um, City and I know does this too, it has a golf component, and then there's, a, you know, a wine drinking, wine tasting, uh, you know, various names. We have chip and sip. We have nine and dine, nine and wine. And that's really what it's about for women. Um, 
that social aspect, it, and it's got to be social, and it's got to be fun. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is right away talk about keeping score and making it be competitive because while right. the husband or boyfriend or partner, you know, mm-hmm. it's all about the Saturday morning $5 Nassau. For the women, it's yeah. all about getting out, seeing their friends, walking the golf course if a facility allows walking while you play versus having to ride a cart. And then just that social aspect afterward, whether it's a meal or whether it's a cocktail hour or something like that. I know when I was a professional back in Minnesota, we had a very active 18-hole women's group on Wednesday, and then we had like about 5 o'clock or 5.30, a very active 9-hole group, which tended to be the, the folks that worked and played their golf after work. And while we have, you know, white grass many months of the year in Minnesota, these women still got together every Wednesday night and they would have dinner and they would do this and do that because in their mind, Wednesday was their golf day, regardless of the time of year. And so, you know, it's things like that, that, um, you know, just having that awareness that, you know, women want to learn with a friend so that it's not scary and and the you use earlier intimidating and then really just to make it be fun and to make it be social. And, um, you know, some of our colleagues across the country who are very successful with their women's programming have adopted those those things and more. I mean, I know Cindy takes, uh, you know, people to pro-am tournaments and, and things like that. So it's it's really, um, you know, engaging them, getting them into the game and, and making it fun. It's relationships well, and participation, you know. Right. Yeah, and and yeah, I agree. And and really, you you said it earlier too, Leanne. Is it's really about developing uh, relationships, and uh, and you're, and you're right. Even in in climates where maybe uh, you have a few months where you're not able to get out and actually play golf, um, that social aspect maintains throughout those that season, and then you know gets fired back up when when the when it's you're able to see the golf ball on the green grass again. Um, I want to get listen. I want to know how I get invited to one of these uh, wine and nines. Is it? Um, <laughs> Nine and one I, I, and yeah, I I have to play the nine first before I get to the wine because I'll, I'll never I won't score very well. But uh, no, that's a great idea, and and there's a lot of great things. I think what it really a lot of it is that there is a lot of great efforts going on. I mean, you know, Cindy and I have uh, talked to a few people on the show over the last year or so that uh, are doing some great work out there. I think what a lot of it is is really the the um, it's difficult sometimes to get the powers to be to really start focusing on the marketing and and um I think if we could put some more resources and and making more women aware that these uh, types of uh, organizations and types of of functions are out there available to them you'd get more uh, hands raised uh, when you ask that question you know who plays golf and uh, I think it's just a matter of of educating uh the women out there um not just that are currently in uh, groups like the EWGA, but uh, just other business women through Chamber of Commerce and just inviting them out to different things um, and, and exposing them. And I think you're right. Once they get exposed to it, uh, more often than not, they'll they'll uh, take interest in it. Um, go ahead. Let me ask a question. If if let's say there was someone from a college, or I wanted to get the University of Buffalo and involved in the grad golf program, or I wanted to do it myself. How would someone implement the program? Um, you know, what we've been doing is, um, like I said, I, I've been in contact with um, LPGA professionals and golf coaches, and, and really it's just, um, you know, we have a, a brief conversation. I kind of explain in detail what the program involves. And then we work in partnership with, uh, whether it's the athletic department for the golf coach or the alumni department, um, and it's just really then working with the business school and identifying uh, who will host the program. You determine your program dates, and then you market the program to, like I said, either business students. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, grad school students. It could be undergrad, you know, students in marketing or law or medicine or any number of, um, you know, academic tracks. And then it's just a matter of uh, we've got a, a comprehensive program manual with a step-by-step uh, process that includes that curriculum. And then I just work with the, the person delivering the golf instruction to, um, you know, implement and host the program at their facility. So, like I said, Perfect. we've got, uh, you know, five or six schools on board that are gearing up for hosting it, some of them in the winter in uh, indoor 
hitting facilities, and then some of them are, are gearing up to be able to host it in the spring when the new season starts. So um, it's been, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of fun to be involved in it and um, just a, another way that our golf professionals and golf coaches can, can help grow the game and, and give back. Perfect. Leanne, let me ask you a question, and, and I was just uh, as I was listening to the two of you uh, talking here, came with a thought, and, I, and I'm sure maybe there is such a, a beast out there. Um, you know, obviously th- there's a lot of uh, focus on the, the collegiate end in that, but I, I can remember when I was uh, younger, believe it or not, I can think that far back, um, we had things in um, school for, for the boys. Of course, we had shop, the women or the girls. We had, uh, they had, uh, I think they called it at that time. I don't know if they still have it, home, home economics. And, of course, it was sure. you know, the shop. The, the boys, you know, did woodworking and welding and all that kind of stuff. And the girls, of course, baked and did all kind of stuff. I'm wondering if there's, if there's a, an opportunity here to get involved with the school systems, um, whether it be through the LPGA or what, and maybe they're already doing such a thing, where – they can work together with the school districts and say, look, we would like to, I mean, you can't do it for every single class, but um, maybe through a similar home economics program, introduce the girls at, and and boys as well, at a younger age where they can, you know, be invited out as almost like a a class trip, if you will, or even have the the professionals come into the school and and talk about uh, golf at an earlier age so that, you know, rather than just sort of waiting until they get to that collegiate level. And I know there are junior programs out there, but a lot of the students have to specifically go out and get involved. Is there a way that maybe that could uh, somehow filter into the school system? Is there a way that we could be creative and, and come up with something, or is there something available? You know, that, that's um, a great thought, and I, I do know that there are professionals out there who are implementing their own golf in schools programs. Um, you know, certainly with the PGA Junior Golf League, uh, sure. that's, that's helped because that introduces um, – you know, students of all abilities. It's not just, um, you know, elite competitive students. But we, I do know of uh, some of our colleagues who are running successful golf in schools programs, but there isn't really anything from a national, uh, you know, standpoint or a, a national program at this point. But it, it's certainly a great idea because, you know, I come from the land of hockey up there in Minnesota. Right. Where, yeah, me too. <laughs> where, you know, yeah, where, where kids learn to play hockey at a young age, age three, four, and five, you're learning to skate, and then you just filter right into hockey. And I happen to be fortunate to come through a, a great junior golf program that uh, gave me the ability to play high school and collegiate golf. But, right. but you're exactly right. Where, where many youth are introduced to sports at such a young age, even elementary school age, but it tends to be the traditional, you know, five right. football into football and, and t-ball into baseball and you know, soccer and hockey. And and so, you know, some sports are kind of on the sidelines when it comes to introducing at a young age unless, uh, you know, youth are introduced to the game by their parents. So, Well, um, yeah, and that was just, yeah, and that was exactly what I was going to, my next point I was going to make is, you know, I, I know exactly some of the programs that you're talking about, and they're fantastic. But, again, the students or the, the youngsters have to be introduced primarily, uh, you know, by their parents or, or other family members, um, that maybe went through the program themselves, and there's a lot of potential at at the um, you know middle school and, and elementary levels where these kids, unless their parents or, or somebody in their family is is involved in golf and you know is actively talking about it, they really don't have any exposure the same as they would with basketball and football and and some of the other uh, sports you mentioned. And I think this is a great opportunity for both the PGA and the LPGA to say let's let's work with the education system. And I'm not saying they have to go in and dominate, but just to, to get in there and expose these kids. And then this would be a great opportunity to filter out to some of these other uh, programs for those that are interested. But at least it would expose these kids and, and sort of start the fire. Um, you know, agree, disagree, or, or what do you think? De- definitely. Yeah, that's that's definitely, I mean, that's really what growing the game is all about, is is getting new players interested in the game and, and hopefully offering retention programs because, you can have the the most successful player development program and run all kinds of people through your golf instruction or golf clinics and that, but if you don't have follow-up programs to retain them as golfers, then all mm-hmm. you have done is introduce them in a series of six or eight lessons, and then you say, okay, well, you know how to play golf, go play golf. And, yeah. you know, we know, you know, from the industry and statistics around 
um, you know, introductory player development programs for adults that if you don't have that next step program, whether it's an advanced level of of instruction Mm -hmm. or whether it's, um, you know, okay, now that you've done this instruction, now you can filter into this new golfer league. Um, We try to not use the word beginner because we always feel like it's sort of a negative connotation. You know, nobody wants to really be referred to as a beginner. (laughs) But if you can filter these people into new golfer leagues, then, you know, we talked about earlier, they've got the golf buddy, they've got the friends, they have the, you know, support network, if you will, you know, people who are, are uh, you know, the same ability and, and maybe the same age as they are. And then they, that's what makes them get hooked on the game and get excited and, and come back for more. And that's really, like I said, what our job in, in player development is about is certainly introducing people, but more importantly, retaining them and turning them into you know, bona fide golfers. Well, and and also, too, I think, you know, this would be an opportunity. You know, the the manufacturers out there are always, you know, trying to find new ways of of enticing people, and it's, you know, the latest, greatest driver or or some other, you know, uh, gimmick that's out there, and and I don't like to use that word always, but but essentially that's what it is in order to uh, help golfers. But, you know, this is really an opportunity if, if the manufacturers want to grow some new, um, um, you know, future clients, this would be a great way for them to allocate some funds into the education system and get people exposed to the game um, at an early age. And then, like you said, you know, filter them into some of the other um, longer term programs. But, you know, it, it would take very little resources um, collectively, not just by the PGA and the LPGA, but also some of the, their uh, partners uh, in golf, whether it be, you know, TaylorMade, Nike and Callaway and some of these other ones to say, look, um, here's an opportunity that we can open the door for future sales um, by giving back into the education system and getting people exposed to a sport, much like some of the others do in, in other areas. And and as you mentioned about hockey, I mean, we used to have house leagues. I'm from Canada, so I know exactly, uh, you know, about hockey. And we had house leagues that were available. Um, and, of course, uh, some of the school systems also offered uh, um, some ice time and things like that. So we were exposed very early, but, but I don't ever remember – uh, seeing a golf program or anything in the school system until much later on, right? You know, and, so. you know, and a smart and a smart manufacturer will, um, you know, have entry level or sure. you know equipment opportunities. I mean, what a great way to put your brand in front of somebody. And, and all of us in, in golf have you know favorite brands, whether it's equipment companies or shoes that we like to wear or gloves or something. And it and it sometimes is about the brand and. And a smart manufacturer knows if they can reach someone at a young age, they're likely to stay with that brand through their lifetime. So sure, um, exactly. You know, that's, that's a great a great uh, suggestion. Well, I'm I'm writing it down as we speak, and I think I just may, Cindy, we may just have to find a way of implementing that, and and uh, we would Absolutely. love maybe there's, there's a way that we can we can partner up with the EWGA and and get them involved in it as well. I think it would be a great opportunity to to open the doors for um, not not just the women, but obviously uh, the young young guys out there as well, because uh, I really think that that's how we're going to you know uh, truthfully grow the game is to get the the next generation excited and involved in in about uh, the game that we all. Uh, of course, enjoy. Um, let, we've only got a few moments here, but uh, Leanne, I want to give you an opportunity. Uh, where can listeners go to learn more about uh, the uh, Grads for Golf program, and, and uh, is there a website, et cetera, that they can go to and learn more about the EWJ as well? Sure. Um, you know, the, the Grads to Golf uh, website is really right now under construction, but certainly to to learn more about the EWGA and our, our programs and our mission, um, our web address is EWGA.com, and you know, like as I mentioned, we have 14,000 members in 120 chapters nationwide. So we have, um, you know, some states have multiple chapters. I know uh, where you are located up in the Northeast, we have a, a great EWGA chapter in Long Island and in um, different parts of the of New York. Very, uh, you know, heavily involved and and very active chapters. We also um, offer an EWGA championship every year. And where that uh, came from is it's, we believe, the largest women's amateur golf tournament in the country because each chapter will hold a chapter championship. And the low scores in that chapter championship then move on to a district semifinal. And that might be eight or ten different chapters that compete at that level. 
And then the successful people um, from the, from that district semifinal actually move on to our final championship. And the unique thing about this EWGA championship is it's flighted with five different flights, so it's open for all abilities and handicap levels. Mm-hmm. And we also offer a scramble division. So if a person was new to the game and wanted to compete but didn't really want to strike out and play individual stroke play, they have that opportunity to compete, um, you know, in a, in a scramble division as well. And so we believe that about 2,500 of our members participate in this EWGA championship um, each year. And then certainly mm-hmm. our EWGA uh, championship finals are held every October, and it rotates between the East Coast and the West Coast. And we have been on some fabulous courses, some great resort courses, some courses that um, have been used by the LPGA and some of their tour events. So Mm -hmm. that attracts about 240 women every year at that championship. And then another event that we have that's very similar is our EWGA Cup, which is a two-day, 36-hole match play format, uh, much like the Solheim Cup and and Ryder Mm -hmm. Cup. So um, the EWJ is just a great organization where women have an opportunity, as we uh, talked about this morning, about coming together and and meeting friends and, and playing opportunities. And it can be casual leagues, but for the people that really enjoy competition, uh, we offer a competitive series like I just talked about. Um, and then we're launching a PAR 3 challenge. We, we piloted it last year where we – actually had some golf courses move the tees up on their par fours and par fives to create a short course experience. And we're doing that this year, asking each chapter to host a par three challenge. And then a portion of the entry fee for that uh, benefits the LPGA USGA Girls Golf because we're very uh, proud to be a, a supporter of the LPGA USGA Girls Golf Program. And, and so that's one way that our members love to get ba- give back and, mm-hmm. and um, feel like they're really making a difference in the life of uh, new young golfers. Excellent. You guys well, are super. It's amazing yeah. all the stuff you do. So, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And, uh, and, and we do really, uh, you know, we, we offer a EWJ will be 25 years old uh, next year, so we're having our annual conference in Colonial Williamsburg the end of April, and Oh, wow. um, Cindy's been a part of our conferences in the past, so um, it's it's really fun. We have um, golf opportunities and um, speakers and professional growth opportunities, so it's it's really um, been fun to watch the association grow and expand over the years, and and um, you know be able to offer golf opportunities for for women nationwide. Fantastic, and they can go to ewga.com. Uh, to not only learn about um, some of the different programs, but also if they're interested in maybe uh, reaching out and becoming a member at uh, their local chapter, they can find out how to go about doing that or contact somebody that can provide them with that information, correct? Exactly. Right on our homepage, there's an opportunity to uh, locate your state. And what Mm -hmm. what you can do is when you, in the drop-down box, you see your state. And and then, like I said, um, some states have multiple chapters. And, um, you know, for $155, to join, it, it's really a, a great opportunity to um, meet new people and, and get to network and uh, play some great events and travel and play some great facilities. And and really, um, the neat thing that I've heard of is, um, you know, that some people have gone through, uh, you know, divorce or death of a spouse mm-hmm. or a child or health challenges. And they said that their EWGA friends were really kind of their support group and, and their friends that really rallied around them. So, um, you know, Fantastic. that's been a, a very uh, a nice um, benefit of that association as well. Excellent. Well, Leanne, we want to thank you uh, on behalf of, of Cindy and I. We want to thank you very much for, for coming on uh, the Women of Golf Show this morning and sharing that information with us and, and with the uh, the listeners as well, and we appreciate that. And, and please continue to do the great work. And, and I'm going to uh, uh, reach out to you here shortly as well with some, some ideas that I think would would help um, the organization as well. And um, I hope that we can, as I said, uh, maybe we can uh, work together and helping to grow this game uh, uh in, in all markets, but particularly in the women's market. So thank you again for joining us this morning and uh, much continued success, and particularly for getting up early and, and earlier and, and joining us on the program. Oh, no worries. It was my, it was my pleasure, and, and, and certainly, uh, 
you know, shout out to Cindy for being such a great uh, colleague and, and a great friend of the golf industry and, and for all the great work that she does, too. So it was a, a thrill for me to get invited, and, and thanks for having me on your show. Thank you, Leanne. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yep. yep. Merry all Christmas the best. and happy holidays to you guys, too. You, too. Thank you, Leanne. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Um we're at the end of our, our broadcast, uh, the last broadcast for 2015, and uh, we want to thank, uh, uh, again, our special guest, Leanne Finger um, from the EWGA uh, for, for coming on this morning and sharing some, some great information, and, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to having her back in the future and, and uh, continuing to, to help her uh, grow her, her organization as well. And on behalf uh, of Cindy Miller and I, we want to also um, once again thank all of the listeners around the world for tuning into the broadcast each and every week. Um, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the broadcast, this is the last show for 2015. We'll be starting back up, I believe it's January 5th, will be the first uh, show in 2016. So we hope you'll come back and we hope you'll help spread the word about the program. Um, we're doing our part uh, with the program, uh, one of the ways that we uh, are trying to grow the game. So we hope you will join us um, in the new year. But in the meantime, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a happy new year. And Cindy, thank you for always, uh, I concur with Leanne, for doing all the hard work that you do. You do a fantastic job, and, and it's a pleasure having you uh, here every week with me on the show. Well, thank you, Ted, and thanks for having me on with you. It's a pleasure, and uh, I'll be praying for a little bit of snow for Christmas. Not too much, but a little bit of snow for Christmas for you. Uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to having you join us again on the Women of Golf in the New Year. God bless everybody. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.